powerful fan to move those strings on that thing. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. We're actually going to be in chapter 10 for most of the message, but we want to pick up a verse in Nehemiah 9. And uh, so turn with me to Nehemiah, chapter 9. And uh, tonight we're going to be preaching on total devotion. Uh, I noticed uh, during our prayer time, of course it's on our list, but uh, several of the men spent some time in prayer tonight, uh, you know, just talking about uh, faithfulness uh, to church services and being devoted to some of the outreach ministries and those types of things. And uh, I think that's important, don't you? I, I think faithfulness is probably a bigger deal than what most make it to be. And uh, I know sometimes we have things out of our control, so don't please don't misunderstand me. But I think a lot of our unfaithfulness, and I don't mean to be insensitive, but I think is really, it just boils down to convenience, expediency, um, you know, uh, you know, things have to be just about exactly right for a lot of people to be faithful. And that's unfortunate uh, because really, I guess what I'm saying is it's just a matter of choice. You know, I, I believe that uh, we have to choose to be faithful. And, and uh, if we're looking for uh, reasons, uh, whether it's church attendance or not to go soul winning or not to read our Bible or to spend more time in prayer, I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times it is just a, a matter of choice, uh, priorities, if you will. Uh, we still get a lot of other things done uh, that aren't uh, necessarily uh, spiritual in nature, but we tend to get those things done that we think we have to get done. And I think a lot of the things that God wants in our lives um, is probably more important than a lot of the things we're allowing to push that out of the way. And uh, so tonight we're talking about total devotion. And uh, please don't get me wrong, I certainly don't set any kind of standard of total devotion. I uh, you know, I, I say it from time to time, and I, I believe it because I only know my own heart. I, I know I'm not a good Christian, and I want to be better. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that uh, total devotion is something uh, that revival is made of. You know, um, I've mentioned this several times, um, you know, uh, that we, we often look at revival as some type of, uh, you know, experience. In other words, uh, you know, a... Uh, an emotional, sensational experience that we have, and we get all excited about God. Now, don't get me wrong. You guys know me. I, I wish we were, were excited about God. I wish we expressed our excitement about God, but that's not necessarily revival. Um, and we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah and talking about revival, and, of course, uh, total devotion. I, I believe this, that uh, total devotion will be a result of true revival, you see. In other words, if, if I'm trying to bring revival back in my life to just by trying to be more faithful and doing certain things, but, but I'm still not having revival with God in my heart, I'll, I'll, I'll be on fire for a little while, but I'll fizzle out. Amen. And how many times does that happen? You know, uh, where we get on fire for a period of time, but then we kind of fade back out. And so over the last couple of lessons, in particularly in the book of Nehemiah, uh, we have seen how the returnees, uh, now remember, uh, way over 100 years have gone by since the first returnees. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of things have happened, uh, some, been some ups and downs. Uh, but at this moment, the returnees uh, returned to the emphasis of the Word of God. And we spent a lot of time talking about that, and we'll even hit it again tonight. And so after a, a what we might call a long, dry 
spiritual spell. You know, you ever been through one of those? You know, where you just kind of just spiritually struggling. Struggling. Uh, there's all of a sudden they had an emphasis on the Word of God. Remember Ezra standing up and reading, and all the things that begin to happen. Uh, the, it brought, uh, you know, it brought a celebration. But last week we talked about how it convicted them of their sin, and they begin to realize that uh, uh, that it was because it wasn't because of even the uh, Babylonian captivity. It, what, they weren't blaming anybody else but themselves because of their getting away from from what God had told them and, and those types of things. And so this revival in the Word of God brought about a spiritual revival uh, to this very frail nation, if you remember, that's surrounded by its enemies. Uh, as the people begin to read the Word of God and understand and comprehend it, they begin to, to realize that, that they weren't relying on His mercy and goodness. And, but now they are, as we're going to see here, and wonderful things are happening. I mean, this was a great miracle that God wrought. But as I said, when we think about revival, often what happens after is the excitement wears off, and in a short time, revival is forgotten. Commitments to God that were made are sometimes broken. And, you know, we know that. We've probably experienced that ourselves. Uh, but in chapter 10 specifically, we're going to see that the people really go another step in revival. And I think this is key. They knew that they would have to continue to be devoted to the Lord. You know, it's easy to get excited and heed the moment and, and, and say, I'm going to do this and thus for God and get all excited. And, uh, and I'm, please don't misunderstand me. I, I love to see it when people get excited by God. But we have to ask the question, why does that fizzle out so often? Um, and the reasons for that could be many. But uh, we're going to see here, though, that the, 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 uh, the Israelites, they, they really want to focus in on total devotion. We're going to kind of see a... A, um, uh, some steps in this, in other words, some things, four things that I believe that we see uh, out of particularly chapter 10 uh, that really caused them to have total devotion. And uh, so this, it, it wasn't just a revival in the sense of being restored, uh, but this was a revival in remaining restored. In other words, they, they said, okay, we're, we've got on fire here, we've been We've, we, the Word of God has been opened up to, to us. We've seen what we need to do. We've, we've repented of all of that, but we want to remain faithful, amen? Uh, and so, in other words, that total devotion, and so they knew this was going to take a total commitment. In our lesson tonight, we're going to see four ways that I believe that they took, but I believe also that we can stay devoted to God uh, after we have revival, uh, you say, no, wait a minute, preacher, do we have revival? No, if you remember, I, you know, I, I believe our church could have revival. Uh, but I've talked about revival in several different ways. Certainly a church family can have revival. But also individually we can have revival. You know, I, uh, you know let's just be honest. You know, nobody else may be having revival. But I'm here to tell you, you can have revival. Your family can have revival. Amen. Uh, but on the other side, I think that revival can go beyond even a church family. I believe a, a country, a nation America could have revival, and, and the same uh, uh, things that we're going to look here would work in that as well. And so if we, uh, I believe this, there, there's four of them, I believe, that are foundational. In other words, I believe if we take away from any of these four, we'll call them principles tonight, uh, we won't remain devoted in the Lord. And total devotion to the Lord will certainly be compromised uh, if, we, if we fail or neglect or indifferent to any of these four principles. So I believe these are really, really important. 
uh, as we think about our own life and, and certainly Central Calvary Baptist Church as a church family. So we'll jump right into this. Number one, uh, to stay devoted, <clears throat> we must devote ourselves to God's Word daily. And this isn't something new that your preacher hasn't said before, but certainly as we think of in our last two lessons, um, you know, the Word of God is so important. And you guys have heard me say it many, many times, a short time I've been your pastor, that your attitude towards the Bible is your attitude towards God. Amen. Can't have it any other way. Um, if, if you're a stranger to the Bible, then I'm just telling you, you're a stranger to God tonight. Not saying that you don't love Him. I'm not saying you're not even saved. But, but listen, if the Bible is something you keep at arm's length or you just open it when the preacher says, turn to book so-and-so, I'm just telling you, that's your relationship with God. And that could be the reason why maybe you're facing some things that you're facing. Amen? And so it's important that our attitude towards the Bible is our attitude towards God. And that's so important to, to understand. So to stay devoted, number one, to stay devoted, we must devote ourselves to God's Word daily. Amen. Now, I ask you to go to uh, Nehemiah 9 for this reason. I just want to read verse 38. It's the last verse, and we'll jump into chapter 10. And it says, and because of all of this, what's he talking about? Well, we studied that last week, if you remember. Because of all the things that they realized that they had not been in the will of God after it was, was uh, shown them. Uh, in other words, they're, they're repenting, they're mourning, they're in sackcloth and ashes, as we talked about. It says, because of all this... We make, sure, make a sure covenant and write it. In other words, we're almost, we get a picture here that they're, they're making a contract, a literal written contract with the Lord, and our princes, Levites, and priests seal unto it. And so then we read there uh, in uh, uh, the, the, the first verse there, we have a list of people including Nehemiah, and I'm not going to read all that, but we have a long list of some, some, um, uh, some leaders, if you will, that represented uh, different families there in the, the, for the Israelites that also appear to have, have taken this document, if you will, and, and signed it as well. In other words, they were making this commitment, this devotion to the Lord. In other words, they, they committed themselves to obey God's word 100%. I say again, 100%. Not 99%, not 98%, but 100%. And this was, I'm going to say, a community-wide. In other words, this was a, a nation, if you will, uh, although a small nation, but the nation of Israel uh, making a, a national covenant, if you will. Could you imagine if America would do this? You know? uh, and and so, so again, this is all types of things running through my mind here. Uh, and again, they, uh, my understanding is they produced some type of document. Uh, I, I believe I'm correct in assuming that. Uh, and, and certain leaders put their seal on it uh, on behalf of those, again, that were probably under their rule. Uh, and so they were signing, and I'm not saying that you have to do this literally, but again, they were showing that they were making a contract with God to obey what, what are they making a contract? They're saying, Lord, we are going to do exactly what you tell us to do. We are going to be faithful in every area in which you tell us to do. Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. You say, well, I don't, I don't see how that's possible. It's possible. Amen. You can do it. Hey, listen, you start praying to God that you want to be faithful to Him in every part of your life, I guarantee that's a prayer He'll answer. Amen. 
And so I just want to, I want to challenge you tonight to think about some things. And so they were signing a contract with, with God to obey what his word says. And believe you me, they understood the seriousness of this, as we'll see here in just a moment. You know, we live in a day and age where you tell somebody you're going to do something, you don't do it, eh, no big deal. <laughs> That's too bad, isn't it? Amen. I tell you, I, I, uh, hey, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you ought to do it, right? We need to get back to that. That's another message. But certainly they, they, were, they were bound to do this. Uh, and so if God's word was to be law, and, and it was, and even is today in many ways, then the nation needed to, to, to follow all of that. And they understood that. And they realized that they were in the predicament they were in uh, because they hadn't followed uh, God's, God's law. So again, we see here, I mean, it, I mean this is pretty, uh, I don't know, you know, this is kind of dangerous to me, I think. But it says, you know, we, we look there at verse 29. Look at where it skipped down past all these lists of people and titles and stuff. And it says in verse 29, They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God, and his judgments and his statutes. What's he saying here? He said, look, we, we, we have committed to obey God, and if we don't obey God, we're saying that God's going to punish us for this. I mean, that's what they were saying. And so, again, this was something that, that was very uh, uh, serious for them. They were making an oath to God. Uh, and, again, it wasn't just a few people. It was, you know, as a nation to either obey him or to be cursed by him. In other words, suffering ju uh, judgment or, you know, because of their disobedience. That's some pretty powerful wordage. Uh, and again, you know, I think about this today. I I'm not saying we have to do this today, but do we really understand what it is to be 100% compliant to God's word? You know, I I'm honest, I I'm not there yet. I want to be. You know, I want to, be, I want to do this, but, but again, we have been conditioned by the world so much that, that I think this is really something we'd really have to sit down and think about and ask God to get a hold of our hard hearts uh, and really analyze our decisions and why we make those decisions, why we're doing what we're doing, why we're relying on what we're relying on to bring us happy, happiness and joy and peace. And I think if we're really honest about that, there's just a lot of things in our life today that have no spiritual significance, whatever, and that crowds out the very things that we do need from God. I think if we were, myself included, if we were really honest about it tonight, I, I think that's the conclusion, just like these folks here did, that we would come to as well. And I want to tell you something, that's the thing, that real revival, but not just a, a temporary two or three week revival, but I'm talking about total devotion, amen? Hey, listen, don't you think a child of God ought to be on fire all the time? I'm not, I want to be, but we should be, right? And uh, so certainly it's not a problem with God, it's with us. Um, and I just want to give you something here. I've actually made copies of this, and it's down here on the front pew. And you can grab one when you leave, uh, because there's some scriptural references there. But for time's sake, I didn't want to turn to all those. But it was important that you got the Bible verses. But I didn't want to give them to you first, because you'd be reading while I was preaching, and I don't like that. And uh, so I'm keeping until after the service. But uh, I just simply put on there, I think, I'm not sure, but what America can learn uh, from total devotion to the Bible. And, and here's four, I believe, very important things that we would all want in America today. And I want to tell you again that this has to do with our attitude towards God's Word. So number one, the Bible is the beginning of knowing moral absolutes. Amen. I mean, if there was ever a day we needed that, it's today, right? Amen. Are you guys with me tonight? 
You care about all this? Amen. So listen, the Bible is the beginning of knowing moral absolutes. Number two, the Bible emphasizes the local New Testament church and its involvement in society and salvation of the lost. Amen. You know, uh, we've let the government... Come on now. We've let the government start doing a lot of things that the church has been called to do. We're getting what we deserve. Number three, the Bible promotes peace and well-being. Amen. Hey, listen, uh, I guarantee you, your, your sense of peace and well-being tonight is direct, directly related to your, your attitude towards the Bible tonight. And then number four, and this might sound strange coming from me, but I do believe the Bible promotes success and prosperity. We just got to get back to the Word, amen? All the things that we're trying to get from this world, God already promises. But we got to get in the Word, amen? We got to start doing what it says. Uh, and, and not just read the promises, but read what He says thou shalt do and shalt not do, amen? That's, that's the key. So if we as Americans desire to stay right with God, we have to be devoted to His Word. And again, I have that down there. I encourage you to grab one. Number two, to stay devoted, we must stay separated from the world. And uh, I've been hitting on this some, not totally. Uh, we could certainly spend a whole message or two or five on this. Uh, but it says there in verse 30, and that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, that is the Gentiles there, nor take their daughters for our sons. And so the reason, the, the, really, we go back to even, even you know, uh, before Moses, you know, Jacob had problems with his boys, was, was that the whole problem with, with the Jews is they would turn from God, how? Through unlawful marriages. It was always coming through their interaction with, with lost people. And these marriages would go on to lead uh, the people to idolatry and worshiping false gods and so on. And so, you know, there's something we, we could certainly understand. Now, we need to be careful with these things because there's a difference to what God commanded Israel concerning separation than what the Bible teaches us about God's people in the church age that you and I live in. But certainly the law of separation is the same. Uh, the principles certainly would be the same as well. Uh, the Jews joined the world through marriages. Now, Christians today... Um, you know, uh, we join the world by being influenced by its culture, its fads, uh, humanistic ways, those types of things. You know, the world's evangelizing us more than we're evangelizing the world. Uh, um, you know, and so we, we see that today. Uh, we'll talk about being unequally yoked here in just a moment. For the Jew, they, they at this time, and, and really from that time forward, which would lead on to the Pharisees and Sadducees, of course they went to the other end and became legalistic. But for the Jew, they finally understood this. Uh, but think about what it took for them to finally realize that. I mean, it took the uh, ten tribes being lost. It took the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, it, it took uh, the Babylonian captivity for them to finally get to this point. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think about that, and, and I, I think one of the men in our prayer time, you know, mentioned, uh, you know, about how uh, the main thing that they were saying was how we, you know, we tremble for America when we think about, I mean, we follow the pattern of the Jews, I mean, is America any better? You know, we're doing the same things, aren't we? Same type of things. And certainly that is something that, that uh, uh, concerns me as well. And so the point here is, is that Christians must separate themselves from the world, 
Certainly they ought not marry unbelievers, amen. We're not to be unequally yoked, 2 Corinthians 6.14. But we should also uh, separate ourselves from uh, worldly enticements. Again, those enticements are designed, I believe, by the enemy to undermine our walk with God, amen. You know, um, uh, see, I wrote some scriptures down. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? It says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a pretty serious verse, isn't it? That's what it says, right? That if I love the world, then I don't love God. Amen. You can't have sweet water and bitter water came out, come out of the same, the same spring, right? Either one or the other. So I think it's uh, something we need to understand. God, Hey, listen, God, he commands us to separate from the world. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that present your bodies living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. goes on saying, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be shaped by this world goes on to say that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, if we, if we desire the will of God half as much as we desire all those worldly things out there, our spiritual life would improve overnight. And so I think that's important. But we don't want to separate. We still want to, we still want to cling on to some things. And the Bible even says, too, that we're to, to distance ourselves from carnal Christians. Amen. It says right here, I got it written down. In uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. In other words, these are people that knew the truth and have turned their back on God. Uh, they're not being faithful anymore. Let me tell you something, young people. Rebellion is nothing to be proud of. It's not cute. It doesn't make you... Hey, listen, it is something that God is very displeased in. Amen? Certainly not something we ought to chuckle about and, and, and admire. So, you know, when we think about these things, you know, I think about the, the approach to winning the lost, if you will, today is, in other words, evangelize the world by becoming like the world. Get in there and do the same things they do. Certainly these Bible verses just of themselves, but certainly many more would show that's not true. So we're not going to stay devoted. Revival will certainly fizzle if we do not separate from the world. Amen. Number three, to stay devoted, we must keep the Lord's day. Amen. Verse 31, it says, And if the people of the land bring aware of any victuals on the Sabbath day, uh, to sell. In other words, this we understand we don't have the Sabbath day today, but in the Old Testament they had the Sabbath day and they weren't to do any business, uh, they weren't to do any work. That's what this is talking about. Uh, it says uh, Sabbath day to sell. In other words, uh, people that weren't necessarily Jews. In other words, there were things that were going on, but the Jews were told to stay out of that. It says, Where of any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that ye would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day. <clears throat> there were other days as well as we think about some of the festivals uh, and that we would leave uh, the, the seventh year uh, of the exact, uh, exaction uh, of every debt. So there were certain festivals that relieved people of their debt and those types of things. And God was saying there, including the Sabbath day, 
to keep that day holy to the Lord. In other words, there were the Sabbath day, but other days in which they were to stop all work, they were devoted to, to focusing in, if you will, on God, according to what, the, at that time, the Word of God taught them about the Sabbath day. And so the people would have to keep the Sabbath day. Now remember, they, they wanted revival to last. They wanted to stay devoted. And they said, well, one thing we're going to have to do is we're going to start having to treat the Lord's day correctly the Sabbath day. And I think that's important. And that included other sacred days and Sabbaths as well. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, we don't, we don't observe the Sabbath day. Uh, but uh, certainly there's a lot of application we can make here. Let's just talk about some things. You know, even in Jesus' day, you know, he, he cleared out the temple twice. And so, but even here, the Jew had allowed the surrounding people's indifference to their holy days now, I just want you to think, some of you folks that are older, how Sunday used to be seen even in government today. Used to be there wasn't nothing open on a Sunday. Even in my day, even as a young adult, I remember that. You know, I'm going to be quiet or I'm going to make a bunch of people mad. But the Jew had allowed the surrounding people's indifference to their days that God had told them to set aside to worship him to cause them to be indifferent about him as well. There we go, right? You know? Um, it, it always, uh, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to make somebody mad. All here in this case, even by the time Nehemiah arrives there, all the Secular activity that was going on the Sabbath day, the pleasures, the businesses, they just carried on as usual. And the Jews just followed right along. Now, if you can't make a comparison today, you're not getting anything tonight, amen? Yeah, amen, I tell you what. Now, again, you and I live in the church age, and we don't deserve or observe a Jewish Sabbath day. But we do observe the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday, amen. Uh, certainly the Bible makes it clear in the New Testament that in many ways that God feels the same way about the Lord's Day as He did about the Jews' Sabbath Day, amen. Uh, the same principles for the Sabbath, I believe, can be applied to the Lord's Day as well, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, as the manner of some is. By exhorting, I'm sorry, uh, uh, says, uh, as the manner some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's amazing to me, what this is telling us is, is that as the day of Christ draws nearer, our churches should be fuller, not more empty. Could it be that we're just not simply interested in the coming of Christ? Amen. You know, this, this is something that's amazing to me, and, and, and it's heartbreaking and, and so forth. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, so I'm not going to dwell here long. But uh, if, if we just stop and think about it tonight, if God felt like he did about the Jewish Sabbath, wouldn't he feel about the same way, you know, that one day a week set aside to focus? What are we focusing in on Sunday? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You think Sunday's important? You better believe it. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I think, I think a lot of us, we need to rethink how we treat the Lord's day. 
We need to stay devoted if we want to keep the Lord's Day. If we want to continue to have devotion in our life, we need to continue to keep the Lord's Day important. I, I know I harp on that a lot, but it is important. Just think about this. Just think how much better our country would be if our churches were full on Sundays. I mean, I think any reasonable thinking person would know, especially some of you that, that are even older than I that remember the 50s and, and, and even the early part of the 60s. You know, our country was better, but our churches were fuller. And there's no denying that fact. And until we put it together, uh, we will continue to struggle as a country. Now, remember, I believe everything I've talked about so far, they all have to be in place if we want to be uh, uh, devoted to the things of God. And I hope that you would want to feel devoted to God tonight. Um, so the, the children of Israel, uh, they knew that there was a direct connection to their devotion to God uh, and their devotion to keeping the Sabbath day holy. And uh, again, whether it be America or any church family or any individual and their family, listen, if you forsake the assembling of yourself, you'll never have a revival that lasts. It'll never, ever happen. Amen, amen, and amen. So stay devoted. We must keep the Lord's day. Amen. Number four, we'll be done. So stay, to stay devoted to God, we must support the house of God. Amen to that. Look at verse 32. We're going to skip some verses here. It says, also, so, you know, they're, they're just going down the list. We made ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. And actually what they were talking about here, something that was established in the book of Leviticus, is what we know as the temple tax. They were just saying, hey, we need to start doing that. We need to start giving to the house of God. And we'll skip down to verse 39. There's some other things there we might refer back to. It says in verse 39, For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn of the new wine and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers, and we will not forsake the house of our God. Now, not forsake the house of our God isn't talking about attendance in this particular thing, but giving to the house of God. You see, you forsake the house of God when you don't come to the house of God, but you also forsake the house of God when you don't tithe when you don't give. Tithing is a commandment, amen? It's a commandment by God. And uh, again, if, if we want to stay devoted to God, if we want to continue to have revival in our life, we have to support the work of God. Amen to that. And the house of God was to be monetarily supported by the people, you know. Uh, in other words, they reached into their back pocket and they got some cash out and they gave. Amen. And uh, I tell you, uh, something that I wonder why some people don't understand. And again, this was something that was established way back in the book of Exodus, where there was a temple tax, uh, money that was needed just to pay for the everyday operations of the temple. They were also to help provide, uh, if you read down through there, verses 34 and 35, uh, it wasn't just money, but wood for the offering, I believe, and the first fruits of their harvest, those types of things. Uh, even the firstborn were to be dedicated to the Lord. Uh, uh, in other words, the, the, the children, what they were talking about there, now they would have an innocent lamb be substituted for them, uh, you know, which these things pointed to Christ. Uh, but even the firstborn of all their animals were, were given to the temple, amen? When the calf dropped the ground and hit the ground, it went to the temple, amen? Well, a few days after. And so they were serious about this giving to the work of the Lord and to the house of God, and God commanded the people to do that. 
and, and again, it was really more than just tithes. Uh, in, in those days, uh, everybody was committed on top of all that to, to pay their tithe, a 10% of their income. And that's what we, what we do today. Uh, any other giving is certainly voluntary, you know, whether it's uh, uh, to uh, faith promise or what have you. But certainly a tithe is, is commanded by God. Uh, this tithe, again, uh, even in Old Testament times, supported those working uh, there in the temple. Uh, but they too, even the Levites and, and priests and stuff, they, they tithe what they received. In other words, the, the tithe of the people was their income, but they tithed off of that as well. So everyone was commanded to pay a tithe to support the work of the house of God. In Malachi 3.10, it tells us, Bring ye all the tithes, tithes just simply means 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, uh, there, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Hey, I'm just telling you, if, if, if you're not giving and tithing the way that you should, you are not devoted to God tonight. And again, I believe your life will represent that. 1 Corinthians, New Testament, uh, 16, verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, let every one of you lay, him, uh, lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. You know, uh, certainly the Bible makes it clear that we're to give. And I know that these things, now I'm, I'm done for tonight. I, I was kind of long-winded this morning, so I wanted to kind of give you all a break this morning or tonight. But, you know, as, as believers... You know, probably every one of us has heard a message, maybe a whole message, on each and every one of these points. I don't think I've shared anything tonight with anybody that's been in church very time at all that doesn't already know these things. But I believe, really, these four things are foundational. And tonight, if you're struggling in any of these four things outside of providential hindrances, and be careful, I know I say that a lot, but God knows if it's a real providential hindrance or not. So you need to be careful with that, right? And so, so I just want you to understand that I would hope, number one, that you would want revival in your life. And number two, I would hope that you'd want to have continued revival in your life. Uh, and, and if you're neglecting any one of these things or two of them or all of them, you know that your, your life in the Lord is not what you want it to be. It could be better, amen? It could be better. And I'm just telling you that if you begin to apply these things to your life, hey, listen, God will bless you. Not only will he bless you, because that's not what this is about, but your devotion to him will be steadfast. Amen. But if we want to, hey, listen, you can tell me how much you love Jesus all you want, but if you're neglecting all these areas right here, I'm just telling you, you're, you're off base somewhere. You're off base somewhere. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on to you or beat you up. I, I, need, I could do better in all these areas myself. But, but listen, I, I want revival in my life. Amen? I, I want to I stay devoted. I want to I do the right things. And I want Central Calvary Baptist Church to have revival. But the only way Central Calvary Baptist Church will have revival is each and every one of us as individuals has revival. Amen? And so before we can even think about America having revival, I need to have revival. Central Calvary Baptist Church needs to have revival. And then maybe if we get enough churches across the country doing that, we could have revival in America, amen? But I, I can't sit and complain about revival not coming to America when I forsake the house of God, when I don't give, when I don't read my Bible, amen? Is it any wonder that we're not having revival? Remember, revival's not for lost people, it's for saved people. 
Amen. And God gives us some great things here. So number one, devote yourself to God's Word daily. I wonder if in the morning when you get up, you'll get up in the morning and, you know, I understand you've got to get your coffee and stuff like that. But, but I hope within the next 10, 15 minutes after you get up, you've got your Bible open and you're reading the Word of God. I wonder if that's going to happen. I'm just saying, if you want to be devoted to God, that's, it's going to have, you're going to have to have revival in the Word of God. Devote yourself to stay separated from the world. Listen, I just, you know, I, I'm not trying to be your Lord, Lord over you things, but, you know, it's going to be hard to, to be focused on God when you're listening to this trashy music that's out there. That includes country music, by the way. There's probably nobody in here that loved country music more than me. I, I can, I've got so many of those stupid songs memorized in my head and the devil brings them up every once in a while. I know them all by heart. Now, I've had a struggle with music over the years. Not so much now. But I'm just here to tell you, hey, listen, whether it's country music, certainly rock and roll, rap, all that, hey, that, is, that is of the world. And that does nothing for your soul. You got to, listen, you need to separate from that. You cannot praise Lord when all you hear are songs about cheating on your wife and drinking beer. And Are, are you kidding me? Amen? And I understand the culture. I understand the... You know, uh, I, mean, that, I mean, that was just part of life, right? I mean, I mean that kind of defined us who we was. That's not of God. It's not of God. I don't care if Alan Jackson comes out with a gospel album. He also sings a lot of other songs that do not glorify God at all. Alan Jackson wouldn't be where he's at today if he'd have started out singing gospel music. I guarantee that. Now, I know I'm getting in some wheelhouses, but I'm just telling you, it's no good. And if we want to be, if we want revival in our lives and we want to stay in revival, we've got to come to grips with some things. You know, some of you don't like rock and roll because it just reminds you of the hippies and you don't like it. But you ought not like it because God doesn't like it. And He doesn't like any of that other music for the very same reason. Amen. So, I'm going to stop. But I want you to understand that you've got to separate from this world. And I know we're all growing. You know, I didn't have the same convictions that I have today, even five or six years ago. There's just God's been revealing things to me. I, hey, listen, you know, I, I cut people slack. You've got to give time for people to grow. I, I'm not saying you're not saved because you like to listen to old country music. I'm not saying that you don't love the Lord that you, because you like old country music or old rock and roll or, or whatever. But, but I, I'm just trying to get you to understand if you want real devotion in your life, you need to get away from that. Amen. Um, do we want real devotion? The Bible says if you love the world, you don't love God, right? Abstain from all appearances of evil. Is that, you see what I'm saying? It's just sometimes we've kind of made up our own little list of things we think is not or is evil. 
So devote yourself to separate from the world. Number three, devote yourself to be faithful to the Lord's day. You know, again, I, uh, I appreciate y'all being here. I'm, you know, not going to beat you guys up. You're here. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just trying to get you to understand if, if you can't make it to the scheduled services of the church, but you're able to devote other, you know, commitments, I, I'm just saying maybe your priorities are jacked around a little bit. Be faithful to the Lord's Day especially, but I believe we should be faithful to the church's services. Amen? Number four, devote yourself to supporting your church. You know, we need to give. Amen? Not just give monetarily, but certainly we need to serve uh, the best way we can. I know sometimes we have health reasons. Please don't misunderstand me. But these four things, I believe, would revolutionize <laughs> not only your own life, but Central Calvary Baptist Church. And just imagine if we all, you know, just this group, just decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, within weeks, we would see an immediate change just here in this room. With, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm going to say it again, I'm really going to be done this time. But, but if, 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 Every Christian in America today that's truly saved would just get a hold of these four things, we'd have our country back within a month. Now, I know some of you look at me and go, no way. But I believe we could. Read the book of Jonah someday. <laughs> Amen. God real to you tonight? Is he real to you? Yeah, he's real to me. But are we really serving him? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.